Coming up today on the Dr. Linda Mental Show. Parents have to fight in the spirit. They have to teach their children a biblical worldview and train up their children to critically think and defend their faith. Even then, there are still influences that pull young adults away from the faith. And I want to make that really clear. You can do a really good job, but there are still things that pull kids away. The Dr. Linda Mental Show is next. And welcome to the Dr. Linda Mental Show. I'm your host, Dr. Linda Mental, the relationship doctor, and I'm here along with my co-host, Chris Weigel. And every weekend we're here, we're doing life together, and as always, we're so glad you've joined us. Dr. Linda, I'm usually pretty interested in the program. Well, thank you. Because here I, here I am. You know? <laughs> You're the co-host, yeah. <laughs> Be nice if you took an interest. Exactly. Well, today's topic is very interesting to me because I have young children and I want to raise them to grow up to know Jesus and to share my Christian faith. And as it turns out, that's what we're talking about today. So if you're a person of faith listening to this, there is definitely a desire, I think, of every parent to have their children mm-hmm. follow in the faith. And we want to put grandparents right in there, too, because a lot of grandparents are praying for their grandkids right. that they would follow Jesus in their life. And, you know, Chris, there's so much heartache among parents when their children walk away from their faith And this is happening more and more as the culture becomes more secularized and our faith is just being marginalized in the culture. When David Kinnaman and Mark Matlock published their book in 2019, it's called Faith for Exiles, Five Ways for a New Generation to Follow Jesus in Digital Babylon. The percentage of young adult dropouts of the faith was 64%. They also found that nearly two-thirds of U.S. 18 to 29-year-olds who grew up in church have withdrawn from church involvement as an adult after having been an active uh, member of the the youth group, for example. Uh, Those are startling statistics. Mm. Two-thirds of young adults. That's just very sad to me. Mm. Now, uh, if we think about, though, however, what's happening in our culture over the past decade alone, we can see why this is happening in, in some ways. You know, children spend an average of about 30 hours a week in school where they're getting instruction that now doesn't have any kind of biblical base to it. Um, They're often taught ideas that are actually diametrically opposed to Mm. biblical truth. That's a big word, diametric. It means completely opposite. Opposite, right, right. They spend hours of their day and night on the computer, well, in these days on the phone screens. Just screens, screens, any screens, right. Which Kinnaman and Matlock describe as, we mentioned a second ago, digital Babylon. Do you like that term? That's great. Isn't that a wild yes. term? Yeah. <laughs> They've been yeah. exiled to a terrible place and it's yeah. digital. And what they consume is also mostly devoid of any Christian truth or even Christian content. So in our now post-Christian culture, children and teens are bombarded with all these ideas that are really opposed to biblical truths. And they're exposed to other ideas. But these ideas are not based on wisdom. And truth like they used to be. And if you spend any time online, these ideas are nuts yeah. a lot, a lot of times. And to your Opinion p- by Chris Weigel. <laughs> <laughs> well, to your point, a recent survey conducted by the Barna Group, a leading research organization whose focus is on the relationship of faith and culture, they found that less than 1% of the young adult population in the United States even has a biblical worldview. Less than 1%? Yes, that's shocking. And even more jolting. 
The data shows that less than one half of 1% of Christians between the ages of 18 and 23 has a biblical worldview. Wow. And this is interesting. It's been some time. It's been a while since I've been in high school, but I didn't know what a worldview was until I got to college. And therein lies the problem. I'd really never heard of or dealt with the, the phrase worldview. And you were in the church, right? Yes. Yeah, you're a yeah. person of faith. I know. Right. So let's, let's just say what that is. A mm-hmm. biblical worldview is basically the lens that you view the world through. Right. So the Barna group actually did define a biblical worldview. And this is what they said. It's a belief in the following. There's absolute moral truth. Mm-hmm. It really does exist. The Bible is completely inerrant. So it's true. Mm-hmm. Satan is real. He's not some symbolic thing. A person cannot earn his way into the kingdom of God through good works. Jesus Christ lived a sinless life on earth, and God is the supreme creator of the heavens and the earth and reigns over the whole universe today. Mm. This is a completely different issue, but there are Christians who, on all six of those points, would try to argue with you. I know, because we're moving away from biblical truth, and mm. we're getting so much more into opinion right, and right. ideology. And one of the issues is that there's a lot of competing voices coming against biblical ideas. Again, some from people who Christians. say they're Christians, yeah, right? Yeah. So, so what else is going on? I'm going to say that teens and young adults are just not being taught to critically think and Mm. to challenge the views of skeptics and ideologues who challenge their faith. They've just been cowering when people come at them and challenge Mm. what they believe. And so many students are not prepared, in my opinion, to enter the college classroom where more than a half of college professors view Christianity with extreme hostility, and they take every opportunity to belittle them and their faith. Chris, I'm old, and that happened to me when I was in uh, graduate school. They're just not well-grounded enough in their faith, and they don't know how to defend themselves or to even make an apologetic for Mm. what they believe. Well, they sometimes are told they should apologize, but that's different from an apologetic. Right, right. (laughs) And it's so frustrating to see, like you said, how Christian college students are opposed in their faith. It's interesting that tolerance only goes one way. And here's how it works, if it fits the cultural narrative. And there seems to be less and less tolerance toward Christian truth. Yeah, the whole notion of tolerance is supposed to mean that we have civility Mm -hmm. and respect each other when we disagree with someone's view. But now it has been turned into no judgment, no dissent, or you're labeled a hater, a bigot, and some other horrible name Mm -hmm. with all of the purpose of silencing you on your faith. Right. Like you said, that's not tolerance at all. And this is so dangerous as our young people are being taught not to even dissent Mm. or to think critically about an issue because they might hurt someone's feelings. That's why I think an evangelical college is important, not as a shelter by Mm. any means, but as a basically a training facility. But that preparation is also important. Just when it starts at home. Right. So we'll we'll get to that. But you're right. That is the value of Christian colleges and universities is mm-hmm. that they do teach this type of biblical worldview. You know, a number of years ago, Chris, there was a study done by Fuller Seminary, one of those colleges, mm-hmm. that looked at this question. They found that the most important factor is whether teens and young adults have a safe haven to express their doubts and their concerns regarding their faith before leaving home. Hmm. So before they get to the college and the university, and such a refuge is usually found in a couple of places. Usually there's permission to talk about this in the home, and then the church's youth ministry is another place. And here's one of the problems related to those findings. The, The Fuller study also found that most church youth programs tend to focus on providing entertainment and pizza 
rather than building up young people in their faith. And this is where I want my youth pastor to listen to this program because I'm going to call him out. In my youth group, we did not do that. Right. We actually had a very active youth group and we studied the word and we loved it. That's great. So, you know, you have to ask if they don't have that type of youth group and they're not discussing this at home, where are they getting this information? And I think that lack of conversation is one of the reasons that teens are very ill-equipped to face the challenges that they're going to encounter upon leaving home because they've not practiced it. They're not grounded in their faith. Mm. They have intellectual skepticism and they're biblically illiterate. Preacher Charles Spurgeon was way ahead of his time, Chris, when he begged the church to start feeding the sheep rather than amusing the goats. <laughs> wow. That's a great quote. Yeah. And there's a spiritual battle for the souls of our children. We have to realize that this involves spiritual warfare. We do. And our struggles, according to the scripture, are not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places, which means we need to start seeing the warfare and engage in spiritual ways to fight. When you're in the spiritual realm, you have to put on the armor of God. Let's go through the, the armor of God, the helmet of salvation, the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, and the shield of faith and prayer. And that's right. So parents have to fight in the spirit. They have to teach their children a biblical worldview and train up their children to critically think and defend their faith. Even then, there are still influences that pull young adults away from the faith. And I want to make that really clear. Mm-hmm. You can do a really good job, but there are still things, and we're going to talk about that in the next segment, that pull kids away. That is correct. And uh, stay with us as we talk more about this serious problem of children falling away from the faith so you can avoid the pitfalls and equip your children to take on an increasingly hostile culture toward Christianity. Conflict is a part of every healthy relationship. How you deal with conflict is what will either grow or destroy relationships. Do you avoid? Maybe you become highly emotional and then regret what you said or did. Getting control of our emotions is not always easy, but it is possible. Hi, this is Dr. Linda Mintel, and I wrote the book, We Need to Talk, in order to help all of us deal better with conflict. We Need to Talk, available at bookstores and online where books are sold. Welcome back to the Dr. Linda Mental Radio Show and Podcast. And we want to remind you that Dr. Linda has written numerous books and blogs that you can find on her website, drlindamental.com. Her latest book, Living Beyond Pain, is about chronic pain and what you can do to get your life back. And check that out when you get a chance. And as I mentioned just a second ago, don't forget that this is also a podcast on iTunes and wherever you listen to your podcasts. You can share this with a friend who might need encouragement. And if you just joined us, we've been talking about kids who fall away from the faith and what we can do to influence them to walk in the Lord. Dr. Linda, is there a relationship between parental behavior and children who grow up to embrace the faith? Now, here's where I'm going to go with this. I know of kids who are in their 40s who have turned from the faith. Right. Is that the parent's fault? Well, I don't. I want to point fingers because there's a lot of forces that can pull a child away from the faith. So, you mm-hmm. know, I think what we're encouraging here is parents to do their best job and to make sure that they're doing the things we talked about in the first segment, right? But it isn't enough to talk about your faith, Chris. You have to walk the talk. Mm-hmm. So they're watching you. And that means that parents need to be actively participating in a church and doing the spiritual disciplines that they're hoping that their kids will do. There was a particular study that found that when both parents were faithful and active in the church, 93% of their children remained faithful. 
Mm. This is just about going to church and being active in your church. When one parent was faithful, 73% of the children remained faithful. And when neither parent was particularly active in church, only 53% of their children stayed faithful. And in those instances where neither parent was active at all and only attended church now and then, the percentage dropped to a mere 6%. And 6% is good if, if neither parent's going to church. Right, right. <laughs> well, going to church is an influence, but it's not a guarantee that they will stick to their faith. And I really want to say this to parents and grandparents who are listening, that ultimately each child has to make faith his or her own. And they will stand alone in front of God, you know, in front of the throne one day, and they can't blame their parents if they threw away their faith. You know, there are young people who do leave the faith, even though the faith of their parents was rock solid. And there are young people who are strong in their faith, even though their parents Mm -hmm. had really shaky or didn't have any faith at all. So this isn't a black and white issue. So be very careful that you don't just throw a lot of blame on people. A very good friend of mine growing up who was very active in the youth group that I mentioned in the last segment, his parents were not involved in church at all, probably don't really even claim to be Christians, but he is the pastor of a very vibrant ministry Mm -hmm. right now. So Mm -hmm. yeah, you're right. This is Mm -hmm. not black and white at all. There are just so many influences that can pull them away. I think what we want to do is we want to do the things that we know are helpful. So if we Mm -hmm. know that attending church is helpful, we want to do that. If we know that we're modeling for our kids that this is the way a Christian actually lives and it's not hypocritical, Hmm. that's going to help our kids. And if we know that reading our Bible and practicing the spiritual disciplines are helpful, we need to do it. But one of the things that is really important is that it's who they date. Hmm. And you have girls, so wait till that happens. (laughs) And, And who they have as friends. Those influences can be even greater than parents. Oh, the peer group is always louder than the parent. That's always been the case, and it can be so dangerous. But uh, getting back to the parents for a moment, does the type of relationship parents have with their children matter, and does that play a role? It does. One of the strongest influences is for a child to have a really strong emotional bond with their parents, in which they feel like their parents understand their emotional lives, as well as they feel like their parents are meeting their needs. So if you have that connection with your child, you can talk about difficult things related to the faith. So it's really about being attuned with your child and knowing their emotional needs. That's right, because the peer group is attuned to their emotional needs. That's exactly right. So the parents need to be as well. You need to be a voice in that conversation. Well, what about the busyness of families and, and how does that fit into this conversation? You know, prior to the pandemic, and it's going to be really interesting to see how this has been all affected, but Mm -hmm. families were so busy. There was so much activity, and parents spent a lot of their time just taxiing their kids around to all kinds of activities. I think at the risk, really, of getting to know their children and Mm. having that attunement we just talked about, you know, they're not talking to their kids. They're just shuffling them. And I think that when that happens, other things fill up the void. I saw that on Facebook and, and on, on social media. So many people commented on the fact that they were like, you know, hey, we're stuck at home and we kind of like it. Yeah. It's refreshing. They're getting to know their families. Yeah. Yeah. Because that busyness means that they may not have been attending church or youth group. I know a lot of parents who have had their children involved in sports, but then didn't go to church because sports competed with church all the time. That was hard for me when parents would say, but they're in a very competitive soccer league. We have to do it. And we're right. not going to church because of that. I think you're giving a message when you do that. What's more important? Well, then what other things can parents do to encourage their kids 
relationship with God. Well, we talked about modeling authenticity. That is so important to this generation. They want to Mm -hmm. see authentic living in everybody, including their parents. This means showing some unconditional love to your kids and then some tough love when it's needed. But engaging in activities that have eternal value, Hmm. I think this is really important, where you, you put the needs of other people before yours. You maybe do things to help the poor. And you're living out how faith makes a difference in people's lives. And then making prayer and Bible reading a part of family life, not in a way that's like forcing it on them or right. demanding, like, we're going to sit down, we're going to read the Bible, mm-hmm. but in a way to, to have conversations about that biblical worldview again. This is how we see the world, and this is what we're teaching. This is why the Bible matters, because it gives us a lens into how to think about so many things. I think it's handy to keep a Bible just sort of laying around, lying around. Yeah. And when a discussion comes up, which we've done in our house, Hey, well, hold on. Let me check. <laughs> what does yeah? What does the word God right. say about that mm-hmm. issue? And make it look like a part of life, not a like you said. We're going to read the Bible, right. and, and that's what makes it relevant. And Doctor Linda, let me ask you this one: How important is it that teens get involved in the youth group? Again, I think it's just really important if the youth group is actually discipling kids, mm, like right. your youth group was doing, and getting yes. them to serve others. But as we've talked about, so many programs are not doing this and you you can't leave it just to the youth group to teach your children either so in addition to the youth group take the kids to soup kitchens get them to organize food drives take blankets to the homeless give them a role to play in their youth group like maybe just helping set up not everybody can be a worship leader or a Mm -hmm. singer you know find something for them to do just get them involved and get them to feel a part of a community you know our youth group room didn't even really have much decoration yeah, we, we did didn't you need care? it. We didn't you care. Didn't care. <laughs> right. Some youth group rooms are just, you know, these hangout type places. Yeah, it looks it's... like you're going to some event in a, a mall or something right, with yeah. all of that. Well, what about creating a space for your kids and young adults to talk? Yeah, this is really important, Chris, because they live in such a complex and a broken world. And if they're not talking to you, the question is, who are they talking to? Hmm. I mean, they need a safe space to talk about difficult things they encounter in the culture. I mean, they're looking at, you know, hooking up on dates. Everybody seems to be cohabitating these days. The the issue of same-sex marriage, pornography, abortion, we could just go on and on. And you really need to help them think through these issues from a biblical perspective, or someone else is going to tell them later on. Are churches afraid to do this? And the reason I ask is because they could get a lot of complaints from parents when touchy subjects are brought up. But if we don't discuss these things, are we then overprotecting them from what they will hear and encounter in the culture. Uh, You know, I'll admit this is a real problem because Mm -hmm. there is reluctance to talk about the hard issues in the church and deal with a conflict. But if you involve the parents, maybe like an advisory group, or let them know that you're going to talk about a difficult subject and where you're going with that based on the Bible, I think it's very healthy. I think churches need to work on this in a big way. You know, one of the criticisms of the church seems to be that it's just an organization full of rules of do's and don'ts. And I think that's a valid criticism when faith is only a religion and it's not lived out. And Mm -hmm. our teens and young adults have to see how the Word of God helps them flourish, not just that, that, oh, don't do that, don't do that, don't Mm -hmm. do that, but it's a flourishing system. I mean, who can you trust? God. Who has your best interest at heart? God. Mm -hmm. Who never leaves you or abandons you? God. And notice how I keep focusing on the character of God and not the rules. You know, if your children see you with an intimate relationship with God and they don't just see rules in your house, that is going to make a big difference. When they see you trusting God when you lose a job 
or when you get a health diagnosis, mm. they see faith in action. That is really different than just following rules. That is so true. And is it healthy for your kids to see you struggle now and then with your faith? I think so. I think that's mm. being authentic. And faith is messy. And it's not always easy. I mean, we, I question things. And I'm, I've been a believer for a lot of years. Yeah. But, you know, you think about it. Even the disciples who'd walk with Christ had doubts. Mm. So you can talk about your doubts as long as you get through it and your kids see that you land on faith. This is a new idea because the generation prior to me anyway was very stoic. Mm-hmm. And they never had anything wrong. And we're not going to talk about the way we feel. Well, a lot of problems stem from that idea. Right, because then you don't know that they've wrestled with this internally, Mm -hmm. and you think there's something weird about you that you're not (laughs) just getting it and not happy all the time. Well, we need to take a short break, but uh, stay with us as we talk about kids who become resilient in their faith. Are you a mom or a dad trying to do your best to raise a healthy weight child in an unhealthy eating culture? Do you often struggle with how to respond when your child asks if she is fat or if he needs to lose weight? Do you wonder what is normal and how do I best impact my child and his or her eating habits? Well, hi, I'm Dr. Linda Mental, and my book, Raising Healthy Kids in an Unhealthy World, teaches parents how to raise healthy kids in an overscheduled, fast food, video game world by making simple choices, easy changes, and instilling good habits that will improve everyone's life today and forever. Winner of the Mom's Choice Award, Raising Healthy Kids in an Unhealthy World, will give you this confidence, the confidence you need to take charge of your child's eating and raise a healthy weight child. Raising Healthy Kids in an Unhealthy World. Available on Dr. Linda's website, drlindamental.com, and available online where books are sold. Mother and daughter relationships are powerful, and they impact all our other relationships. Think about it. The way you react with your mom typically is the way you might react with other people. Yet this important bond can be filled with tension when both women try to find their own voice and develop a sense of self. So working through the mother-daughter relationship can be a challenge, but it is so worth the effort. Hi, I'm Dr. Linda Mintel, and I would love to help you navigate this important relationship and strengthen it to the best it can be. That's why I wrote, I Love My Mother, But, a book to strengthen the mother-daughter relationship. We all love our mothers, but sometimes we need a little help working through our differences. I Love My Mother, But, available on my website, drlindamintel.com, or online where books are sold. We are back talking about how to help your children and teens embrace their faith. In case you have just joined us, you're listening to the Dr. Linda Mental Show. Dr. Linda has written numerous books that you can find on her website. Or online, just check out her website, drlindamental.com. And don't forget about the podcast on iTunes that you can listen to, well, wherever you'd like. And this would be a good one to share with Mm. people who are really discouraged about their kids. That's right. And to that point, Dr. Linda, many parents have a lot of heartache over teenagers or even their grown children who have fallen away from their faith. Let's talk about that. It's very painful, but never give up praying and looking for opportunities to, again, live out your faith in Mm. front of them. I think it's better if you don't preach to them if you've taught them already what's right and wrong, right? They already know what you think. They already know what you believe. And then ask questions. Tell your story of how faith has helped you. 
you know, pray and realize that God can use anything or anyone in their lives to get their attention, Chris. Hmm. Just don't give up hope that they will return to what they've been taught one day. You know, it must be hard not to preach to them when you see them moving away from their faith because you so much want them to be in communion with God. But, you know, they already know what you taught them. Mm -hmm. I mean, they already know what is right and wrong and what the Bible says if you taught them. The word is in their heart. I think it's better to show the love of Christ and just have it be a natural part of who you are rather than preach at them. Well, we've talked about all the ways that teens and young adults uh, get pulled away from their faith, but what can we do to build resilient disciples? Kids and teens have to build meaningful relationships with peers, as we talked about, and adults. You know, that Faith for Exiles book that we mentioned lists six areas that can help build meaningful relationships. So let's go over those. First thing they say is that they need to feel that the church is where they belong. This whole idea of belonging, that's what I was saying about Mm -hmm. community, that somehow I'm an active part of that church. Uh, That's very important. The second thing is they need someone who encourages them to grow spiritually. You know, Chris, that doesn't have to be the parent necessarily, Mm -hmm. although that is a good person to do it. But it could be a mentor at the church. It could be a teacher. It could be somebody who's actually just a friend in the youth group who could do that. They're connected to a community of Christians outside of the church. So I think that's really an important thing because mm-hmm. I think about what I li- when I was going to youth group, it was a couple hours once a week of my life, and I was in the community mm-hmm. the whole rest of the time, other than being the times I was in church. So I need other Christian friends, and I need other people that I could connect with. And I thought this is really a, an important one, number four. When growing up, they need close personal friends who are adults from yeah. their faith community. Right. So. All the people that Norm and I know who are also Christians also spoke into our kids' lives. I think that's why a youth group should have a group of adult leaders involved. Another point is that that they admire the faith of their parents, which we talked about. Yeah, and then finally they say they have to feel emotionally close to someone at their church. Hmm. So do you see the connection of the church and the adults and the mentoring and all the things? You can see that this is all about friendships and relationships with other Christians as they do life with you and they help you along the life journey. That's right. Dietrich Bonhoeffer said, it's less about bearing one another's burdens, but more about bearing one another. It's interesting. That's what it means when you do life with people of faith. You know, they have shortcomings. They're not always Mm -hmm. great to you. It means that you have to sometimes overlook offense and forgive and show mercy and grace and you know, not always have it be all about us. And this is all about the power of community to really make a difference in a person's life. There's a real lived reality of the tension between the wonderful Christian community and the reality of our own imperfections. You know, it's hard work to live among people of faith and stick with them, but that's part of the iron sharpening iron and developing your soul. And because isolation and loneliness are so prevalent with our kids right now, authentic Christian community is needed more than ever. As we wrap up, what advice do you have for parents who are battling sadness and grief over this? I think keep the relationship with that child as strong as you can. Recognize that your grief is there, but always with the hope of Christ, some kind of Christ encounter. Stand on the word as nothing is impossible and get others to pray when you are discouraged. And never stop praying for your kids. Don't allow the current circumstances to impact God's power. Even if your child is light years from God, God is only a prayer away for them. One prayer can change everything, and there's power in prayer, so don't ever give up. 
That's all the time we have today. Many thanks to our producer, Norm Mintel, and our engineer and my co-host, Chris Weigel, who makes the show a conversation from all of us here at Faith Radio. We'll talk to you again next weekend. In the meantime, remember, we're doing life together, and it's better when you don't have to do it alone. Well, thanks for listening to this conversation from the Dr. Linda Mintel Show. These podcasts are available because of listener support. You can make a gift now at MyFaithRadio.com. And thanks for sharing this audio link with a friend and helping us grow the impact of the Dr. Linda Mintel Show. Also, take a moment to subscribe to the podcast today at iTunes or your podcast player, and you'll never miss a show.